Hey friends, welcome back to this week's episode of Fit Friends Happy Hour. I'm your non-diet dietitian, trainer, and host, Katie, and this is episode 233. Now, I am so excited for you to listen to today's episode. I had the pleasure of interviewing fellow registered dietitian and nutrition therapist and certified intuitive eating counselor, Corinne Dobas. So Corinne has over a decade of experience in Marin, California. She works with adolescents, young adults, adults, and she specializes in eating disorder recovery, disordered eating, and body image concerns. She really focuses on helping clients break free from the mental, emotional, and physical toll of chronic dieting. Ultimately, she helps clients really nurture a caring and compassionate relationship with food and their bodies through a non-weight-focused, non-diet approach. So, aka, she is our people, right? So today we talk about all things body image, defining our core values, you know, what that looks like and how we can take the picture, even when we don't want to take the picture. So she gives some really great tangible tips and it was just an awesome conversation that I know you're going to love. If you're curious about learning more about your eating style, be sure to check out our free quiz. Just go to katiehake.com forward slash quiz answer a few questions, and it'll give you a few more tips to learn more about your eating style and how that applies to your relationship with food. All right, team, onto the show. Welcome to Fit Friends Happy Hour, a podcast about all things nutrition, fitness, and life in your 20s and 30s, all from a non-diet lens. I'm your host, Katie Hake, and I'm a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and certified personal trainer. Join me here every week as I talk with interesting people and experts from all walks of life about their relationship with food and their bodies. I'll also share my experience working with clients in my private practice to help women find food freedom and body confidence. I'm on a mission to help you stop quantifying and start living. Learn to stop measuring your success by the scale and find your fears. Corinne, welcome to the podcast. We're so happy to have you today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's nice to be here. You're in sunny California and here I am with like my turtleneck. What can keep me warmest? I'm so jealous of your sunshine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, um, you know, there's always pluses and minuses to everything, but yeah. That's for sure. Well, let's just jump right into it. Tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, from clinical standpoint, uh, personal standpoint, you know, what's your, your body image story as well as your story to becoming a dietitian? That's a big question. I know loaded question, (laughs) but I will share maybe who I would identify as I am a white female. I am in the Bay area. I, my practice is outside of San Francisco, um, specifically in Mill Valley, California. I, I, what else about me? I am a registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor. And also I would identify as a nutrition therapist. So people always say, well, what does that mean? I would say that that does not mean that I am a therapist. That does not mean that I am going into the scope of practice around, you know, trauma and self-worth and those pieces. However, I'm really informed by those pieces in my work. And more specifically, um, a nutrition therapist is somebody who does a lot of counseling in their work and can talk about everything related to food, body, nutrition, your relationship with food and body, and often also too those feelings that go along with that. And I think that the intuitive eating work really jives so beautifully with the piece around feelings and food also, because intuitive eating is all about being able to go inside and listen to what you're body is sharing with you and be able to respond to those cues in a caring, timely manner, essentially. And, um, feelings have bodily sensations as well as our body's cues, satisfaction, hunger, fullness, meal, hungry, all those pieces. So anyway, just a little bit of a background when people ask what it is that you do, I'm not somebody that somebody comes to and is like, here's your meal plan, like, see you later. There's so much of the counseling work and also 
behavior coaching and things like that, that go into my work. I work a lot with folks who are in recovery from an eating disorder um, and disordered eating. I also work with individuals who want to approach food and body work from a non-weight focused, non-diet, more intuitive eating approach. Um, I don't do any sort of like weight loss or health counseling from that point of view, from a, um, um, a weight normative point of view. I really am focusing on, let's see what taking care of yourself looks like and see where things land for you. I have two small kids. I have a um, 10 month old and a three-year-old. I have three dogs, a husband and a cat. And I'm recording this uh, in my office where I um, work with folks and see people online because my house is really chaotic and crazy. And uh, there's no way I would ever record. I used to, but my son's, my office is now my son's um, room. So it is just, it's a journey. I mean, my God, I, and then lastly, like, you know, I've been um, a dietitian, I think going on 11 years and really my work, just the background really, I did start off as somebody who is working in that kind of weight focused way, because I don't think that anybody coming out of their training to be a registered dietitian. I mean, I think that's changing now, but mm-hmm. you know, I went to school. I mean, I'm like for, for doing dietetic work, like literally 17 years ago. So I think that things have quite changed since that point, but there's still a long way to go, but yeah. So it's just, and here I am talking to you today. So that's a mouthful. I didn't get into my body story, but those are just some of the pieces of who I am and who we're, who you're talking to. Yeah, no, that's okay. That was great. I, I too can relate with house being chaotic. My street is currently, the whole street is under construction. So it's like, when are they going to be popping up? So I, I totally relate to that. But thank yeah. you for clarifying, you know, what a nutrition therapist is, because I, I would definitely identify with, that. I think it's hard to do this body image work, this intuitive eating work without having that, you know, counseling lens. And and like you said, talking about some of those aspects, because it does integrate into every aspect of our life, you know, our food and our body. So kind of going back to that, you know, you mentioned that you started in, you know, weight focus as many of us dietitians have, what for you did that transition look like? You know, when did you realize, oh, wait, there is a huge gap here that needs to be served. And especially in terms of, of body image. Yeah. I would say that I, 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 I knew I always wanted to do counseling work. So that was very clear. And I was at my first position. My office was in a really well-known like health fitness center. So it's not ironic that like most of my work would be people who are wanting to focus on, they would say sports nutrition, but it's really just weight loss and people who wanted, you know, to look a different way. So I, it really took me a couple of years to beginning to, un, to begin to understand the really disordered behaviors and how I just didn't feel equipped as a registered dietitian with the training that I had had and just with where I was to be able to work with those people in a helpful way and to be able, I think more importantly, to enter that space and even to share with them what it is that I was seeing. Because ironically, I think that the culture that we live in, um, weight loss, dieting, disordered eating behaviors, eating disorder symptoms are also normalized. And it's actually like part of the disorder that you don't even realize that you are engaging in behaviors that are actually like really harmful and psychologically like really damaging. So I, can I pause you there? I'm, I'm curious because you mentioned like, gosh, I started realizing that there were all these behaviors and it was so normalized. And I, I too come from that health and, you know, fitness kind of wellness background. What were some of the things that you were seeing in that setting that were so normalized with, and I love too, that you pointed out the fact that so many people were like, oh, it's sports nutrition. But really, if you got down to it, you're still wanting to change your body. So what were some of the behaviors that you saw that you were like, eh, maybe this is a red flag, common themes, I guess. Yeah. Individuals who are at their, when I say like healthy, I want to say like they're more natural kind of healthy weight, like they're eating normally, like taking care of themselves who are just focused on weight loss. And then they become more restrictive or cutting out food groups or afraid of food or 
of, you know, avoiding, avoiding foods, avoiding certain food groups, not being able to partake in social events because they're worried about what food is going to be there or how they're going to look, having really intense preoccupation with food and body image and physical appearance. I think, you know, when somebody's really preoccupied and when I say preoccupied, it just means spending a lot of time thinking about their health or quote unquote, their health or what it is that they're eating or how it is that they look, you know, it's typically a sign that you're probably really undernourished and you're probably hungry. So, you know, and, and just the desire for an individual who's really at a weight where they're feeling good, but there's still that obsession with weight loss. So, you know, somebody who is, yeah, I I don't even want to give numbers, but just that, that really, that real obsession. And I think the other piece that really kind of hit it for me home was I had been working with, I'll never forget a client who would, you know, be in a little bit of a, um, a larger body through today's standards. However, their eating was really solid. They were eating and feeding their bodies consistently and reliably listening to those body cues and really just their body was just meant to be a little bit of a big, a bigger body and that it is what it is. And they've been going to all these people, I think for years for weight loss. And I think you see this a lot and like the the weight loss tips that they were getting were super disordered, like keep eating less and cut out this and cut out that. And eventually it's like, what are you doing? And you know, no one had ever just shared with this individual, Hey, what if this, what would it look like if this is just where your body lands? And this is just your, your biological makeup, your body's frame. This is where your ancestors come from. This is like your, your body story, like your, your frame, like your, you know, how you are. And I think that that's so important because nobody really like when I was going training that like, Hey, it's, you can be like fit and fat. You can be in a larger body bodies. You can't really change your body. You know, like you were fed this information that you think that if you just eat a certain way and exercise a certain amount, that then you will look a certain way. And yeah, for some people that's not true. That's true. I'm sure. But then there's also, if you look at the statistics and actually the research on this, it's 99 point whatever, 8% or whatever. It's very high. It's over 99%. I think we hear this all the time, but I see this in practice of that restrictive weight loss and dieting kind of behaviors. They don't last. And, you know, within five years, you will, the research will share, be at wherever you were before. And that's because the body really, our bodies like consistency. They like reliability. Like we, I believe each have a separate like genetic makeup and a different body frame where our body's just naturally meant to land. So, you know, I think just for me really understanding that, like I was having these thoughts to myself as I was practicing. And at the same time, I had never heard of health at every size. I had never heard of intuitive eating. Instead, I was just like, wait a minute, like our profession is just such a crock. I went to how many years to school to, to be telling people to do really harmful behaviors that I don't even personally believe in. And I really just had somewhat of an identity crisis. And I was like, I've got to find a different way. And ultimately what ended up happening is I was having these conversations. I'll never forget um, someone I knew in my life who was like, wait a minute, you're going to practice nutrition and not do it from a weight loss lens. What are you going to do? And they're like, that's never going to work. And I said, okay, that's never going to work. I'll change, I'll change positions. Like I was just so kind of disillusioned with the health field that we are as collectively as a society given and then all of a sudden, like I, I did, I, I ended that position. I ended that job and I took a job doing like nutrition communications and social media to pay my bills here within the Bay area, which was a really great thing for me because honestly, having a solid nutrition position that you believe in is really challenging to find. So doing something that I could support myself with and that I could also begin thinking about, Hey, if I stay in this profession, what do I want this to look like? And then that's where I ultimately began reading about and learning about like health at every size and doing and intuitive eating and also just understanding 
like the research on weight science and understanding weight stigma and fat phobia and really beginning to just do a lot of internal work more around how do I want my career to look and what do I personally believe in? Cause I don't believe in this. Mm-hmm. And that ultimately led to a good numbers of a good number of years. I probably was in that job for like five years while at the same time I started like a very, I've always had like a side little practice, but mm-hmm. I started working with people who wanted to stop dieting And then I started working with people who had body image concerns. And then I started working with people with binge eating disorder. And then I started working with people with disordered eating behaviors. And then I started seeing folks with anorexia and then bulimia. And then, you know, kind of everything in in between all those behaviors. I think we have them really as diagnoses, but you begin to understand once in practice, there's you know, there's like a blur of all of these different behaviors and symptoms. And while the name and the diagnoses of certain things are helpful, it's just really about more understanding where that certain person is. So all my work now, you know, I will say I've had a ton, I've had a ton of privilege in order to be able to, you know, I've worked random jobs. I have um, done training on the outside. Like, you know, I was able to take about a year off because I was engaged in my now husband was able to kind of support as I did some odd jobs and really kind of reimagined what I like, what I want the rest of things to look like for myself. And about three years ago, like right before my daughter was born, I opened up an office from a therapist like one day a week. And then now that has really slowly grown into something that um, I just absolutely love the work and couldn't imagine doing anything else now. Like I'm wholeheartedly everything behind it. And I think that that's so important in what it is that, that you do. And also I really want to acknowledge like the field of dietetics as a whole, like requires like a ton of privilege to be able to do it, a ton of financial resources. Like, you know, it has a long way to go systematically in itself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. First of all, congratulations on, on getting to where you are today, because I know that feeling and it's, and I love hearing just your story. I love hearing stories in general about like where you started and how you got to where you are, because I think when you've been at a place where you've seen, you know, I personally have been in wellness situations where I've like made people cry, not on purpose. And just like, wait, this is so not aligned. I don't know where it is that I want to be, but I just know that this way of practicing doesn't feel right to me. And so it's definitely a journey of figuring out what feels right to you. And I think for anybody listening it's really important to, to, to do your research and, and understand why a certain health professional is practicing a way that they are right. Because we all have a body, therefore we all have a story. So, you know, you, you started getting into body image work, you know, can you first help us understand what does body image work even look like? I think that's something that a lot of people don't even realize what, what is like a body image therapist who's qualified to do that. Um, I, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> First and foremost, I think I really want to call out. So Marcy Evans and Fiona Sutherland have a fantastic training on body image. I think it's body image, the missing piece or something like that. If you are seriously interested in working with individuals, do body image work. I would highly recommend their training. It's such a foundational training. Um, and it's been really important to the work that I do with people. Um, I also just really want to call out like Elizabeth Scott. She is an eating disorder therapist who is like one of the co-founders of the body positive. Um, she is, um, such a fantastic individual and I've done her embodiment training and the, um, the big hearted embodiment. She has four different pieces. She's turning it into an online course. And there's a lot of other stuff, but I really want to give these pieces props because I think that it really matters as a practitioner. Like you really need to have training around body image. So I think that regardless, like when we talk about scope of practice and you ask who can do it, I think a therapist who has training in it can do it and a dietitian because it falls under the line of 
of body and it falls under the line of, you know, behaviors for eating disorders, disordered eating behaviors, because when we begin thinking about it, how somebody feels in their body really has such a significant impact on their relationship with food and what they will do with that. And so I, I, I just feel like as a profession, like if we're not acknowledging that there's a problem. And I also feel great. Yeah. That's you know, it's like ignoring, ignoring it. We're, we're really doing a disservice to clients. If we just pretend that the two are not integrated or don't help the client see how the two are integrated. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and what I also want to say is that you really do need training around it. Um, so because otherwise you're going to get in there and you're going to be like, wait, what? And also <laughs> you need practice. Okay. So it's not yeah. like, and I don't know everything. So it's not like I'm like some, you know, guru who's sitting here. Like I know everything that is not the case. I think as soon as that happens in anybody's work, however long they've been practicing, like that is a really bad sign that you need to go back and understand that. Like there's so many things that you still don't understand. And I remind that myself all the time. I say that to my clients, I'm like, look, I don't know what is best for you, but I can like support and be alongside you. Mm-hmm. But essentially, you know, when we're talking about body image work, I think it's really important that, you know, body image is the phrase that I will use with folks. And there's, I see this as two different things. I see this as understanding of what embodiment is, which is really, I credit Elizabeth Scott and the work that I've done with her and like the research that she's also done, like through Neva Perron, Perron's work. And also, you know, I, I also have weekly um, or every other week supervision with Lisa Pearl, who's a fantastic eating disorder specialist in uh, dietitian more in but the Boston area. Anyway, so, you know, when we think about body image, really that is, I would describe it and I would ask actually my clients, what does that mean for you? Because I have one different, different definition than you likely do, but it's how does one feel that they look in their body? Like how does one's perception, feelings, thoughts around their body or their physical appearance you know, affect their behaviors, their thoughts, their thinking, all of that. And then I think that there's this other piece, because when you begin thinking about the embodiment piece of it, it's how do you actually feel in your body? There are different things. So body image is really like, as we really break it down, how do you think, how does what you think about what other people think? How do we, how does, (laughs) how does, what you think other people think about your body affect you, right? That's essentially yeah. what you're saying. And, mm-hmm. you know, then there's this other lens of, wait a minute, okay, how do you actually feel in your body? And so I think there's a lot that's, of different- That's emb- embodiment, correct? Would be how yes. you actually feel in your body, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So how do you actually feel? Like, what are the sensations? What are the feelings? Like, what is coming up for you in your body? And you begin kind of understanding some of this work that they'll refer to as top down, where you're really thinking like cognitively of like, what are you, what's going on, like your brain. And then there's third call it bottom up. And that's more of working with calming the nervous system and being able to regulate some of your emotions and some of the top things that I think we all hear all the time for calming your nervous system down are the deep breaths, you know, really slowing everything down. Because if you're in this panic attack around how you think that other people think they look or you think you feel or whatever in your body, the body image piece, it's really hard when you're up in your head to then use your head to calm your body down. So I often find myself saying that if you need to get out of your head, get into your body. And if you need to get into your body, you know, get into your head or change your scenery. I love, I love that. Will you say that one more time? If you need to get, say that one more time. Yeah. If, If you need to get out of your head, get into your body. And if you need to get out of your body, get into your head. And I want to share that there's all caveat to that because if somebody has had a lot of trauma and being in their body doesn't necessarily feel safe. And so when I say being in your body, I mean, really paying attention to, you know, what are the feelings that are coming up for you in your body? Like, where do those stay? What are the sensations? Like what is going on for you? Like physically in your body, um, that that is too challenging. Then you can use a different anchor point in the room. Like, a clock or, 
you know, a different focal point to focus on outside of yourself, but that has you kind of calming down. Mm-hmm. I hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, no, I love, I love that tip. And I, I want to backpedal a little bit, you know, how might someone even know that maybe I should start digging into body image work or how, like what might be a red flag for somebody or to either do the work themselves, maybe that line of maybe they need help from somebody else. Like where would you, you know, find somebody's even beginning before starting, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. So where would you, how would you know, or where would you find someone or both? Yeah, both. Yeah. If you are spending a lot of time preoccupied thinking about worried about your weight, worried about your size, worried about what you look like. If you're noticing that you're avoiding situations because of your body, or if you're avoiding food groups because you're worried about weight gain or anything like that, then that would probably be a sign that you would need to do some work and some understanding around how you feel about your body and how you feel about your image and doing some body image work. Yeah. And I I think some people too, some people think that, you know, when they lose weight, right. That's a big thing is like, well, when I lose weight, then my body image will improve. And I think we'll get into that, but so backpedal to, you know, how might somebody even, okay, they have identified, I have these thoughts. I'm really, I'm thinking about my body a lot. It's holding me back from doing social, you know, situations, where would someone begin to even find somebody who specializes in this? Mm. I think that, you know, to my working knowledge, um, a good number of eating disorder dietitians will have some sort of training and experience in working with people who have body image concerns. So I will also say that Personally, in my work, I will work with people who have body image concerns and also the food piece. So if it's more just collectively just around the body image, no food is coming into the play at all, then I would recommend that person going to a therapist who has expertise in body image and embodiment work. And usually I would still say that that is going to be a therapist also who has experience and working with individuals with eating disorders. So that would be, those would be two good places that I would start. And I think it's really also important to recognize that whoever you're working with, if they're messaging or, you know, I will often look is if they do weight loss work, <laughs> because if, and if a therapist or a dietitian is doing weight loss work at the same time, I mean, this is just my personal belief. So this is not like scientific, but there's such different modes of working together. So if somebody's doing weight loss work at the same time as eating disorder or disordered eating work, the two philosophies don't go together to me. So that to me is a red flag. So I would also really begin looking at and looking at the person that you're looking looking for, what what are their scope of practice? What on their website do they say that they're going to do? Because I think if there is the belief for somebody as a provider that if you just lose weight, you're going to love your body, that usually, in my experience, isn't the case. Quite frankly, like you know, what I see in practice is that somebody developing the ability to have self-compassion and be with those challenging food and body thoughts and understand where they're coming up from their history in their relationship with their body and from their earlier experiences of life. Like if you had a parent who was always talking about their body size or if certain foods weren't allowed in your house, or if you had really fat phobic parents, or if you had a boyfriend or relationships that were always focused on body size, you know, understanding part of the therapeutic process, like whether whoever it is that you work with understanding and having clarity for why you feel how you feel personally to me, I think that that's incredibly foundational and important and very important insight because that's going to change a lot of stuff 
And then it's about, can you find someone or work with someone who you feel really uncomfortable with, comfortable with to be able to unpack this stuff? Thank you so much for pointing that out. I mean, I would agree for sure that that is a huge red flag. And I don't know if I've ever even thought about that as like a tangible, you know, thing somebody can do is to just look at the marketing. If if the two are coexisting, I, I completely agree with that opinion. I don't believe it took me a while to get to this belief, but I don't believe that the two can coexist. You know, I'll give an example. I had a client that I w- worked with and she was working with an air quotes body image therapist. And this client in particular had a history of an eating disorder. And, you know, that therapist validated that she needed to lose weight. And to me, oh my gosh, it was just, it felt like it, you know, set us back quite a bit, but absolutely. I mean, that, why would you say that those two co- like can't co not, not can't coexist, but what is the contradicting pieces mm-hmm. of that? It's a really good question. Um, you know, but essentially, so the way that I frame this for folks is look, I am totally, and I have many conversations with this about bringing into the room about why you feel like, what would the weight loss be like for you? Like, why is that so important? Why does that hold such importance? Because it holds importance for a reason. And so what I also want to say in this is that the last thing that I don't want to do is really like stigmatize people and say that that's a bad thing Mm -hmm. um, for somebody to have that desire. Um, I'm really curious more around the, what is the, what, what will be the outcome of that for the individual, but why I think that they're two totally different things and, and weight loss cannot coexist with having a, you know, peaceful, flexible, healthy relationship with food is for a certain number of reasons. And I think primarily it's that, you know, part of the work that I do with folks is how can you get your body to trust you and you trust your body? How can you feed and listen to your body consistently and frequently throughout the day and take care of yourself and learn how to respond to emotions and learn how to move your body if you want in ways that feel good. And where does your body end up landing? So I don't know where it will land. You know, I think that this is very common to anybody who does intuitive eating work and I love Evelyn Triboli and Elise Fresh. I always say their names wrong, so I'm sorry. No, <laughs> you know, but they'll always say this. And I think it's true. You know, when you begin doing this work, your 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 body does one of three things. The it goes up, it goes down, or it stays the same. And so I'm not really what I always say is I hear that and I don't know what will happen. And and I don't think anybody does in starting off a journey around developing a healthy relationship with food, but if you're really preoccupied with in the back of your mind, you know, I need to look a certain way and you're engaging in behaviors that are restrictive or over-exercising, or you're really not allowing yourself to eat certain foods and you're skipping meals or you're not eating snacks or you're doing intermittent fasting, or you're, you know, feeling guilt if you ate this, like those are all things that are so opposite of the other work that we're trying to do, which is, Hey, you know, across the board, how are you going to take care of your body and all bodies, regardless of wherever they're at really need to eat within, you know, kind of an hour of waking up and every two to four hours after that. I don't think that that nutrition science for anybody changes. Um, when you also understand like how the stomach works, you know, your stomach empties, I think it's roughly like three hours. And when that happens, the hunger hormone ghrelin goes up. And so you begin to really see that the hunger hormones and the physiology of the body they all really so work beautifully together to mimic like a healthy appetite and a healthy rhythm, you know? So I also think I don't just go with intuitive eating, eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full. I don't do that. Like, I think it's really great to get to recognize that, but there's this really beautiful, I think important part that is important part of intuitive eating that a lot of people don't talk about is this self-care aspect of kind of Mm -hmm. understanding that like, Hey, your body needs to be fed every few hours, every maybe two hours for you. How does that feel? And if you can't do that, then what's going on there? And how do we work towards that? And what would feel good for your body? You know, there's all these different pieces that come into play here. But if somebody in the back of their mind is, you know, actively like not on board with like 
And of course, like there are things that come up, there's resistance, there's feelings, there's lots of stuff that come up. But if somebody is like actively trying to lose weight while, you know, feed their body consistently and frequently and appropriately and listen to their hunger cues and move their body in healthy ways and not punitive ways, like it's very challenging to do both because essentially dieting mimics disordered eating behaviors. And, you know, it's a very slippery slope to then landing in eating disorder land, um, you know, unintentionally. So I hope that that's helpful. Those are just my thoughts around it. No, I I love that. And I love that you use the word, you know, consistently and, and reliably when it comes to not just recognizing those cues, but honoring those cues and being curious about, well, if those cues aren't there, well, what else is going on? You know, so it sounds like the work, you know, for somebody listening, when it comes to body image, it, the two don't necessarily have to be separated. The two can, maybe if there is food, they can be really integrated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there, I don't know anybody who I don't do work and talk about their feelings around their body and embodiment and using their body as a tool to kind of regulate themselves and breath work. And, you know, I, I don't know anyone, I don't have any conversations with any clients who that doesn't come into play. You know, I mean, you, Mm -hmm. I even have, and, oh yeah, the body positive also, I think about this has a great training too, even around, um, uh, they're called the body positive fundamentals. So I, I begin, I pull a lot of the things that I, a lot of trainings that I've done into the work that I do with clients. But that question that you just shared, you know, does the food work? Is it different than the body work? They're totally intertwined in my mind. And I had a client the other day who really just began realizing, you know, there was a lot of thoughts around how she felt in her body and how, and how, she was having a lot more preoccupying food thoughts and comparison and all that. And we really began thinking about, well, when was the last time that you weren't feeling like that, like in your life? And it came back to a time when she lived in a different country and she felt more free in her life and was engaged in these hobbies that, you know, she's no longer doing now because she's just, you know, a mom now and in a different time of her life. And, um, just life is different, different responsibilities, different things. And so, you know, I, I think that it's also really important that I don't personally like shy away. Like some dietitians in our training, were taught like, Oh my gosh, that that's out of scope of practice. Don't, don't touch that with the 10 football. Yeah. And that's <laughs> any service because it directly impacts. And, you know, two sessions later, we're having a great conversation around how that realization just the clarity, not even changing anything, but the clarity around these fundamental pieces feel like they're missing in my life. And that's what we really begin to see is like, you know, self-compassion, you know, understanding what lights you up as a person, like understanding your core values. Like these are all things that are so imperative that come into the work because if, if we don't have that, like, who are we as a person, then what we're left with, what I often say to clients, what we're left with is this real tangible thing, our bodies, you know, for a lot of people, preoccupation with their appearance and body size and food is a really tangible thing. And it's a really great distraction from what is actually going on in your life. And what are you actually feeling? What is actually happening, right? So, you know, for example, if you are constantly focused around the body, the food, usually that's a sign like what else, what else is important to you in your life? And for most people that I know, and that I do this work with those core values, there's hobbies, their passions, they aren't there you know? And so what would it look like? And what are those things that you would come back into your life? You know, how would they then change things? Right. And so I often ask that question, like how much of your time, if you had a pie chart is spent or how, and I think a lot of people do this. I've had clients like a lot of people do this, but it's helpful. Like how much you were to make a big circle, what percentage of time of your day would you say is spent thinking around your body size or food? And what would it look like if that piece of the pie was smaller? And what would you be doing then? 
And so what's interesting, I think, is that the motivator for most people coming in to see me is that they're done. They're done spent obsessing and preoccupied with food and body, and they want to find a different way. And that to me is like the indicator that you're ready to do this work because I'm very blatant and upfront. Like, I don't know what's going to happen to the size of your body. Like, I don't know, but I do know that spending a lifetime and days obsessed around body size, or if your stomach is bigger or how you looked in that picture or what you ate last night, or are you going to exercise this week? Sucks. Yeah. Amen. Amen to that. (laughs) I, I love those questions that you asked. And I think for somebody listening, maybe even just hopefully having some clarity, listening to this, this episode that, okay, yep, I'm done. I'm having a lot of thoughts as to go back to, like you said, can you think of a time where you didn't have these thoughts or you did feel maybe more comfortable or even more neutral in your body? And then from there asking, you know, what are my core values? What is important to me? Can you give us some example of what core values might mean? I think a lot of people, when they hear that, they think of like professional development, they're sitting down and they're writing a business plan of like core values. So what does that look like for someone as an individual? Yeah, this is, this would look like, you know, this is kind of where you can get into like the counseling tools of like acceptance, commitment, therapy work. Um, again, I'm not a therapist. However, if you do this work, you will begin understanding different counseling tools that you can be bring into the room that are all related to food, body, and nutrition that are very helpful for clients. So that's my disclaimer there. But, you know, when we think about values, I think about, you know, there, if I actually encourage you to listen to this, if you're listening to this and interested to Google like core values, because you'll get handouts with like tons of core values. Um, and then you'll be like, Oh, and it will give you much more insight than me sharing, but (laughs) like, you know, kindness or ambition or perfectionism or, um, you know, wisdom, you know, just what those are examples of different core values, but I think it's really important to take a step back in, in all areas of our life and be like, wait, what is really important to you? You know, and I, I, I think that like, if I think about for myself, you know, at this point, I really think of wisdom and learning and growth as my top three values and, oh, and authenticity. Like that is a very important value to me. The older I get, the um, more important that really feels to me. I'm so not interested in people like painting perfect pictures or just, I'm so, I'm so over it. I'm like so over it. Yeah. Which was the case when I started this work in, in this field, right? I feel like people feel, and I feel like that's similar. I feel like that's a similar point to where somebody can be starting the food and the body work and be like, I am so over this. I'm so over a diet. I'm so over you know, intermittent fasting, keto, paleo, you know, what, I mean, the list goes on and on. And I have had clients who've been on like 30, 40 different types of diets all like over, you know, every, I think anybody can relate to that over the years. So I encourage you to think about like, even if it's not your core values, like you probably will be, I've said it so many times, core values, but you know, what, what is important to you and what would be different in your life if you really were starting to to follow those things? And that's where in those challenging body image moments, we can pull those in into play. And it takes a lot of work. It is not easy, but it's like, okay. Like even just identifying, like I am having a challenging body image moment right now. I feel blank, 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 like name how you feel, right? And then think about, okay, how do I want to respond to this? Like what value, I mean, would you choose in this moment to then be able to focus on and lean into a little bit more, you know? So for example, if you are really struggling with choosing like not to work out, but you know that it doesn't feel like something you actually want to do, it would feel really punishing right now. All right. Mm -hmm. Great. It feels very uncomfortable to then break this decision and like not going to the gym what are you noticing come up? All right, great. Discomfort, unease, anxiety, 
you know, what would be a self-caring thing in that moment for then for you to then go and do? Mm-hmm. Um, would it be to take a bath? Would it be to go and read a book or dance to a song or cry in your pillow or write in your journal or write your therapist an email or your dietitian? So, um, and you know, for some people, they'll be like, wait a minute, let me what is my value? It's self-kind. You know, some people think like that. I don't, which is uh, if you can't uh-huh. tell, I already know this about myself. I ramble and I'm kind of all over the place. So I'm trying to get No, back. there's so many gold nuggets. So I'm letting you keep going. Like, yeah, please keep so, going. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I try to come back to the point, but like, you know, for some people, like I really write out in session. All right. Number one, name trigger. Number two, yeah. name feeling. Number three, deep breath. Number four, offer myself self-compassion, number five, self-compassion and action, you know? And so, yeah. So let's use this example. And I, I know we're running out of time, so I want to honor your time, but I think this is a big one, at least for me, especially that's coming up with clients. I'm hearing it on Instagram, so many things about like taking the pictures or we're in a season right now where we're in more social settings, we're taking pictures and a lot of people have anxiety about being in photographs, taking the photographs. So what just tips would you have for somebody on that specific topic if it's triggering? So I would really want to hear more from the person. I think people come into play with photos in various different ways. I have had, I guess, you know, it depends where you are in this phase. I will say if you're in a very delicate phase right now, and seeing a photo like that is going to be really dysregulating, then don't do the continuous work on yourself, really recognize and honor and get clarity that like around what is so distressing, but understand that like, you know, if you're getting a photo and if it is distressing, I don't think many people use Facebook these days, but if it's, I don't know where, whatever it is, wherever it is, is, (laughs) untag it, delete it, save it in a different folder. Like people may say that's avoidant and yes, maybe it is and it won't last forever. But I think that there's this important acknowledgement that like, if it's helpful in the now and it can help in the meantime, while you begin building different skills, great, fine, do whatever works for you. And then I think that if you are seeing photos and you are taking, you know, pictures and there is this you know, really intense feelings that come up for you around it. Like my advice is to name, actually like name the feeling. I am feeling what? Like it could be a lot of different feelings, Mm -hmm. you know, really acknowledge that and then offer yourself compassion, you know? Um, And often I think that self-compassion goes along with an action. So, Mm -hmm. you know, wow, I'm feeling really dysregulated or upset by looking at this. Like, I'm so sorry you know, give yourself compassion. I'm so sorry you're going through this. Like that's really challenging. And then you move on. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think that it's really important to acknowledge that like forever, you're probably going to have, but they become less distressing. And eventually like, you're like, whatever I think. And that may not be the case for everybody. Um, you know, but for most people, like the object isn't to not struggle. The object isn't to look at these photos and be like, I love myself, blah, blah, blah. But like, you know, it is important to understand that like, how can you be with yourself in those moments, really recognize the feelings, have self-compassion for yourself, and then go on and move on into something else. And so kind of the objective of that is not letting the photo like hijack you, but really creating a little bit of a distance. And again, that goes into some of the acceptance commitment therapy stuff that you talk about with really identifying values, because I think that people don't want to spend like forever, like going down a rabbit hole and obsessing around this photo, this photo. And then the reality is, is that years down the line, you're going to probably be like, wow, like that's how I looked at that age. What was wrong with me? What was I thinking? Like, I'm so grateful to have this photo. And, you know, some, and maybe that's not the case for you, but I think that, and that's okay too. But I think that there has to be some real acknowledgement and, and leaning into the discomfort and, you know, acknowledgement of what it is that you're feeling in that moment. So it just doesn't get bigger. There's a lot of different pieces around that, but those are some of my, you know, initial, initial thoughts. Yeah, no, those are great, you know, initial tips. And I think that example could be applicable to, to so many, you know, triggers, if you will, like seeing a photo or, you know, seeing a reflection, all these different 
different things that bring up body image. Corinne, there's been so many golden nuggets in today's episode today. I like to finish all, all our episodes with, you know, what's the best thing that's happened to you this week? Oh, wow. What is the best thing that's happened to me this week? Well, today, what is today? Today's Tuesday. Or last Uh, week. Well, you know what? I think think that this is probably going to be very authentic, but I think it's very real. My husband and I have been looking for a couple's counselor for a while. And um, I can't even tell you, it is so challenging, as you probably know, for people to find therapists during this time, um, Mm -hmm. ever since the pandemic. And than to like find one that you feel like you can connect with and that you like and their timing and scheduling works. So, so, uh, so, you know, it was really nice. I haven't even written him the therapist, but we found someone yesterday that we both actually felt like we really connected with and liked. So that is just really refreshing to me. And it really makes me think like, wow, you know, for me, I'm always looking at, okay, this person is really solid and kind and makes me reflect around the type of space that I want to hold as a a, um, counselor myself doing this work. So yeah, that to me feels really exciting. So also if you are looking for a therapist or a dietitian, if you feel like it's taking you forever, don't give up hope. (laughs) Yes. That is, that (laughs) is encouraging. That is so encouraging. So where, where can people find you if they have questions or want to learn more about the work that you do? Yeah. Um, you can go to my website. You can go to corinnedobis.com. Um, I have a podcast called the body image podcast. There's quite a number of episodes, um, this season so far, I just have one actually, but there will, there's at least two others that are coming out. I'm quite slow these days, but I'm totally fine with it, but you can go, um, just find me on my website. Um, I don't have any social media cause I stopped doing that because it was just too much of a time suck. So that's my other thought around photos and stuff. I can't tell you how many people struggle with social media. So feel free to remove yourself. Permission to delete. Love it. We will definitely be sure to link all of those in the show notes. And again, we appreciate your time for joining us today. And this was so good. Yeah. Great. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fit Friends Happy Hour. If you liked this episode, don't forget to share it with a friend. You can subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Fit Friends Happy Hour. Talk to you next time.